Hi everyone, this is International Society of Hypertension Podcast. I'm Associate Professor Francine Marques from Monash University, Australia, and my co-host is Dr. Augusto Montesano from the University of Glasgow, Scotland. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, today is my pleasure to introduce you Professor Ching Simoy, who is a professor in the Department of Family Medicine and a consultant clinical specialist at the University of Putra, Malaysia. The research interest in hypertension, stroke, gestational diabetes, addiction, and complementary alternative medicine. And she collaborates with many others across Asia, Europe, and the UK. At the International Society of Hypertension, she's a member of the Women in Hypertension Committee. She's also a member of the Hypertension Core Group of the Indian Association of uh, Parenteral uh, and Enteral Nutrition and served in the Council for the Malaysian Society of Hypertension. Uh, Ching, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, it's an honor to be here with you. Yeah, thank you, Francine, for inviting me uh, to have this interview. Thank you. And um, so to get started, can you tell us about your story and how you uh, ended up in the field of hypertension research, please? Okay, uh, I was... Uh introduced to ISH when I joined the first Asian Pacific of uh, Hypertension ISH summer school in Beijing, August 2015. Since then, I became an ISH member. And at the same time, I joined the Malaysian Society of Hypertension in 2017 and was elected as one of the council members till now. And I really interested in uh, doing the publication related to hypertension field. Yeah. And you mentioned that uh, your uh, role in the Malaysia Society, as well as your contributions to the uh, ISH uh, committees. I was wondering if you can tell us a little bit about how your participation in this professional societies has helped you to advance your career. Okay, thank you for your question. Actually, there's no pain and no gain. <laughs> The benefit of joining a profound society like ISH is very rewarding. Joining a professional body requires active participation by attending regular meetings. However, it also provides us the opportunity to have publication together or having collaboration in organizing conferences, as well as uh, conduct uh, community projects together. So these activities have helped to advance my career in terms of building up research networking and having opportunity to learn from the pre-existing successor. It also helped to build up my promotion profile as they, uh, these are the criteria or components that will be assessed by the panels. Very true. Yeah, now I, I have had a similar benefit from uh, being part of committees. Yeah. Mm. And uh, something that is really important to us in this podcast and also to the ISH is uh, mentoring and providing enough support to the next generation of uh, hypertension researchers. Um, so we're going to stop a little bit the topic now to mentoring. Can you define your mentorship experience in one word for us, please? I define my membership experience in it's an essential subject essential, how would I say, a uh, relationship or, or uh, experience in my career, yeah. And why, why is that? Can you expand a little bit on the reason behind it? Yeah, because with a good mentor, then it will make me more focused and uh, to work on the right pathway. And do you think mentoring is important? Of course, yeah. 
actually, um, I will consider I'm very lucky uh, because I have a good mentor since I passed my master exam and joined as a, an academician. I noticed the importance of having a mentor 10 years later down uh, when I succeeded in my career pathway. I wouldn't be what I'm today without the guidance from my mentor. Very important points. And I, I would say the same uh, for me. My mentoring experience has been essential for my career development. Yeah. And was there any time in your career that you specifically realized you needed a mentor or how did you develop this uh, mentoring relationships? Okay. Uh, I, I, as I mentioned, actually, uh, I have a mentor um, since I passed my uh, master uh, exam and I always uh, went through her uh, center and uh, we are, are writing the paper together and at the same time we also uh, applied grant together and uh, further uh, uh, my uh, means research experience uh, it also helped me to open up my networking for example because of my mentor I I was offered the opportunity to go to summer school because uh, I'm, I'm joining summer school. That's why I know about uh, International Society of Hypertension. So actually, uh, the relationship uh, between um, uh, my mentor is uh, built uh, slowly through all the research projects. Um, I think, do you have mentees now? Yes, uh, I did have a few mentees, especially my postgraduate students. Um, so um, even though they already graduated uh, uh, from the PhD, but we still uh, remained uh, the relationship with each other. Oh, lovely, yeah. So what is your mentoring style? And can you give us any examples of how you have helped and supported your mentees now being on the other side? Okay, my mentor style is to be flexible and stand from uh, their shoes. I help my mentee to graduate on time and then and I help him to expand uh, his research and networking and to help him to secure a better job opportunity. What traits do you think a good mentee has? Um, in my opinion, uh, the trait for a good mentee is that they must have the same wavelength with us. For example, they must do, uh, want to be successful and they want to work as a team. He or she must not be stingy in sharing knowledge and she or she uh, must be very hardworking and have a good attitude. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. And do you have any advice for trainees that are looking into uh, perhaps studying a PhD or moving from the PhD to a postdoc on how they find a good training environment? For me, uh, a good training environment uh, is uh, basically um, for the researcher uh, whereby their mentors must have a, a research data set so that, uh, for example, they must have a project. When they have a project, then the mentee, uh, they can uh, work on it uh, for the proposal and then how to uh, conduct the research and then uh, uh, and ends up with the publication. Uh, and at the same time, uh, this, um, um, how to say, the mentor also need to have a far view and I always encourage mentees uh, to engage in a lot of research activities, courses, this thing and at the same time to guide them to build up their networking so uh, for me uh, for a clinical uh, research they must have a research project 
yeah, yeah. Um, so you think the research project is more important than the supervisor and the team? Uh, I will say, of course, uh, uh, everything are important, but you ask me which one is the most important thing, I think for um, uh, training purposes, because uh, the, uh, the mentee, they must have the experience uh, from the beginning until the end outcome. So they must have a complete uh, um, exposure rather than uh, because uh, they are lacking uh, of the, a certain part, uh, then they'll miss up this or golden opportunity. What I mean is, for example, uh, let's say they don't have these uh, uh, the grants, so that uh, they only uh, let's say this is the mentee and they work in the lab, so they only can conduct the research until uh, the clinical and not able to do uh, conduct the research in the lab. Then they won't see the complete cycle. So yeah, yeah, no, I think that's a valid point. Yeah, and um. Something that uh, I usually explain why we have this question. Um, I, I find myself intimidated to talk to a lot of people, uh, especially in conferences. As you mentioned, we met in a conference uh, some years ago, pre-COVID. Um, I don't know whether you have the same, uh, but do you have any advice for people like myself um, on how to overcome um, talking to someone that they find intimidating? Okay, uh, I do uh, have the same experience like you, especially when we are the junior researcher, mm, or yeah. we really are facing the barriers. Uh, and um, I, I would like to share how I overcome uh, my uh, inferiority when I try to talk to someone that I find intimidating. So in my opinion, first, we ourselves must have a correct mindset in line with a Buddhism expounds the principle of cherries, plum, peach, and damson as each of us are having our own unique characteristics and the related principle of illuminating and manifesting one's true nature. Most important, we must be clear that you are you, not someone else. There's no need for you to compare yourself with others. And this is your life. At the same time, you can identify the main points you want to bring up. Stay relaxed by making good eye contact and smile at each other when talking. So be sensitive and focus on how the other person is feeling. For example, we can offer a cup of coffee if he or she looks tired. In the end, we should make more friends and open up the communication with someone we find intimidating and by talking to them sincerely. Because by open up this networking, actually, sometimes it's, we are not the one um, who we are, it's who we know. Because this a person that we find intimidating, maybe they really uh, is very successful people. Once we know them, they give us the opportunity, that's all will be success and will, will be uh, getting easier in terms of this, uh, having this success. So I feel that we should try to break up this barrier, try to talk to them. I'm sure uh, they are not the one like what we uh, think. I think uh, we have to find out the true story. And most of the time they are very humble actually. Yeah, my experience is the same. It's usually, um, the problem is usually with me, not with the people that I try to talk to. They're usually lovely. Yeah, mm. <laughs> very good advice. Yeah. And um, switching to um, another topic that is uh, very dear to us, and, um, and I'm sure you appreciate a lot being part of the Women in Hypertension Research Committee. 
I'd like to talk to you next about diversity and inclusion. And I was wondering from your experience, if you can uh, tell us what do you think that uh, the biggest barrier for diversity and inclusion is in, um, in uh, hypertension research or research in general? Um, the biggest barrier around diversity and inclusion is deprivation of resources and ignorance. It leads to suboptimal outcomes in terms of patient management. Uh, in order to change this trend in the field of hypertension research, we need to consider few approaches. First, we need to fill up the gap and compare the outcomes of hypertension and cardiovascular risk factor control from the gender point of view. In fact, Female hypertensive patients with acute coronary syndrome were actually more adhered to their lifestyle, and yet their disease management is always suboptimal due to social support deprivation, as they always have been labeled as low-risk um, groups compared to male patients. Furthermore, studies show that women suffer from higher mortality rate paired with a male hypertensive patient once they suffer from cardiovascular events. Second, the guidelines of hypertension management should address the diversity of gender differences. In other words, female patients should be treated with a lower blood pressure target and given more aggressive treatment. Okay? And thirdly, we also should educate the healthcare providers, policymakers, and public by having more publication in this field, so to address this issue urgently. Yeah, no, very, very important point, yeah. And do you have any uh, advice specifically for women in hypertension research? Yeah, my advice is the opportunity is there, so we should strive our best in uh, continue the research journey. Yeah, and, um, and the last, uh, part of the interview, what we want to talk about is the impact of the pandemic. And we acknowledge that our junior researchers, those doing PhDs or early career researchers, they have been the most impacted by the pandemic so far. Um, I was wondering if you have any ideas of how uh, we can do as a community uh, to uh, better support these uh, junior researchers. In my opinion, we always can encourage our juniors to conduct research via social media platform during this COVID-19 pandemic. So we also can guide them to conduct a nationwide, inter-country or intercontinental study if we have uh, this uh, networking. So actually, um, of course, we know that uh, nowadays uh, we are more focused on the e-health and uh, in terms of the digitals. So I, I think uh, they still got a lot of research opportunity, especially in terms of the systematic review and then uh, or, or the uh, whatever, whatever topics, but we try to expand our networking. So we are not only focused the research in our own country, but we can, uh, uh, through this uh, pandemic, we have to uh, broaden our mindset the research is uh, uh, worldwide, yeah. And I think that that's a good uh, reminder that uh, we are part of an international society and we should be leveraging the opportunities and resources that the society gives us and the ability to network within the society to try to achieve that. And yeah. something that I think it has 
improved has been access to mentoring, for example, because before our mentees would only meet with the mentors face-to-face -face at the conference every two years, while well, now they can meet on a more regular basis over Zoom because that became so uh, popular and common. So, yeah, so I think you're right that we can take uh, advantage of some of the new resources and tools and, um, and uh, to make a global impact. Yep, exactly. So we don't stop uh, the research uh, because of this COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah. Uh, Ching, thank you so much. It has been lovely chatting to you. Um, thank you for taking the time. And I look forward to seeing you at the uh, ISH meeting in Kyoto. Uh, thank you again and see you in uh, this upcoming uh, conference. Thank you for listening to our interview. If you'd like more tips on mentoring, subscribe to our podcast for more interviews with senior and emerging leaders. Stay safe, open-minded and kind. <laughs>